You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to the Family Feud Podcast. I'm Keely Yor here with Shotgun Spratling. Sean, whatever your name is, it's good to be wow, back. Wow, you don't even know my name? I've been gone that long? I said it once correctly and the second time was just bad. Yeah, because apparently I've been gone that long you, you've forgotten who I am. It's true. Who are you? I don't even know. The man who is going to dominate this podcast. I don't understand this. This is not a thing you dominate. This is not a game. Um, everything is a competition. Apparently so. If you live your life like everything is a competition, you'll be much more competitive, obviously. Yeah. And you'll win the day. Because you know what happened across the town? Uh-oh, nice segue. Oh, win the day. Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly's in town. Chip, chip, hooray. You know what that mean, means right now? What does it mean? Nothing. <laughs> Doesn't matter at all right now. Right now? Because you know what UCLA's doing? Nothing. Sitting at home doing nothing because they're not playing anymore. I mean, they're both eligible. Well, he's not going to be involved in it. Okay, but they're not sitting at home doing nothing. They still have a they bowl. they are right now. They're going to start their bowl prices immediately. Come oh, on. my goodness. Anyway, anyways, <laughs> anyways, um, we missed you guys. We didn't see you last week. Some te- technical difficulties and Thanksgiving got in the way. I don't think there was any technical difficulties. I was just too busy eating deep fried turkey for the first time. It's delicious. Delicious. It is a technical difficulty when you forget to bring the podcasting equipment home. Oh yeah, home that with was you. on you. That, yes. Yeah, that, that's, no technical difficulties that's, on my side. Uh, whatever. I was prepared and ready to go. You were so not whatever. Uh, USC is now ten and two. They beat UCLA. What a horrible season. Jim Mora. Horrible season. Jim Mora got fired. Unfortunate for him. Um, I like Jim Mora when he was in Atlanta with the Falcons. Always. Just throwing it out there. There should be like Family Feud bingo. A uh, uh, Georgia reference, a Shotgun Glory Days reference. Basically. <laughs> My glory Days are current days. Oh, yeah, I'm when sure. I dominate you, that's a Glory Day. So <sighs> oh every goodness. podcast is a oh Glory Day. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> USC remains undefeated in the Coliseum. So does Under Clay Helton. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Um, and the Trojans are going to face the Stanford Cardinal in the Pac-12 championship game. Thanks to Washington. Washington you- dominated Washington State. And I was hoping for some good games. I mean, Clay Helton uh, talked about it last night at the Trojans Live event that he was watching three games, actually. He was watching the Notre Dame-Stanford game on one TV. So he had another TV tuned in to the Apple Cup. And a third TV, interestingly, tuned in to Clemson, South Carolina. Why were you listening? Why were you watching that game? Because his daughter is actually a nursing student at U of SC, University of Southern California. I mean, so he, of South Carolina. <laughs> nice try. So he, he has the double SC connection, which is pretty ironic. Eh, whatever. Yeah. I also had to uh, mention that we have a soundboard today, so I might like test it out a little bit. Check this out. Hold on, Ernie. Stanford Cardinal. And they're facing USC Trojans. It's pretty cool. Get excited. You can't hear it, but it's pretty cool. Get excited. I'm over here rolling my eyes at you. <laughs> yeah, because you don't have your headphones in. Whatever. He's a, he's, shotgun's a slacker. Um, were you watching any of the games on Saturday? Stanford, I Notre Dame? Indeed. I watched uh, some of them for Stanford, Notre Dame. I was flipping through each of them, actually. I was. I wish they were on separate times. I hate that they were at the same time because I would like to watch both of them at the same time. Except for at the end of UW, it was kind of pointless. Well, normally I have multiple screens. I didn't have it set up for that. But, you know, I enjoyed watching. You know, it was fun having a Saturday off, getting to watch the games. Uh, I watched the Alabama-Auburn game. I uh, watched mostly the, I would say I watched mostly the Notre Dame and Stanford game. Um, 
it seemed like somehow that the Notre Dame Stanford game and the Apple Cup always seem to be going to commercial at the same time. So I'd flip over. I'm like, ah, why is that one? So I was tweeting actually about the Clemson South Carolina game. Somebody's like, oh, those two other games are going on way more important to USC. I'm like, for one, I'm not. I don't care about USC. I'm, I'm watching games because <laughs> it's my Saturday off. And for two. It just happened to always time up with their commercials, so it was a little frustrating not having the multiple screens at that time. Yeah, you need you need all the screens like Clay Helton. But yeah, no, it was fun to be a, a football fan for once and not I feel that was the first Saturday we were not working or at least I was not working <laughs> throwing you under the bus in like twenty weeks. Because something I really traveled to a couple games, is that what you're saying? Yeah. I put in more effort. Hashtag I dominate you. <laughs> uh-huh. Who who was dominating though with, with all the recaps and everything during those games? Mm, yeah. nah, whatever. Um. So this podcast is kind of interesting considering we usually do stock up, stock down, keep it, change it based on the game prior. But there's kind of been time between it, and we're closer to the the Pac-12 championship game. So that's more important yes, at this point. It definitely is. Um. So, so we'll we're do. We'll skim through it a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Well, we won't uh, have a forty minute stock up, stock down like we did last time. Oh. Well, we'll try not to argue as much. We ramble. We ramble. And the nice thing, though, is that uh, it's a Wednesday that we're recording, so you don't have to rush off to the LA Times. We can be a little more chill, which is nice. That's true. Maybe. But we want to get into it or what? Let's get into it. We just it. want to chit chat the whole time. Uh, nah, nah, nah. Want to talk some football? Let's talk some football. Uh, stock up. Stock up. I got turkey after having some deep fried turkey. Obviously, I've never had deep fried turkey. It's really good. Ryan Abraham does it I know. Uh, as well. But you know, I was back home in Georgia. Um, so I got turkey on the stock up. You were you were dissing turkey yesterday. Ham, ham on the stock no, up. No, when you have turkey right, it's the best. I also have Isaiah Langley. I thought he he played really well when he was in there. Malik Dorton stepping in for Rasheem Green, and then over on the basketball side because you know I'm gonna throw some basketball in. DeAnthony Melton. Um, because when his absence wasn't there, you could really tell against that Texas A&M team, the first top 20 matchup for USC this week. Yeah, but, but stock down for USC basketball, maybe? I don't know. We'll get to that. We'll, we'll get, get to that. Yeah. <laughs> My stock up, I had the bye week. Man, is it nice to have a break? I mean, I told you after the Colorado game, I was like, I don't want to talk about football for like two weeks. I was <laughs> so burnt out. And, I, and I'm not playing. I'm not a full-time student anymore. I, I don't have the same burnout factor as the players. So I can only imagine what they felt like. So I, it made me realize how much the bye week is important and how much it like adds clarity. You know, I was ready to come back and talk about football after having some time to just like decompress. So bye weeks are important. So stock up for a bye week. Um, I said USC's defensive senior slash captains. I thought Chris Hawkins played a great game. Um, Dual senior sacks on back to back plays with yep. Chris Hawkins, Utena Nuosu. Yep, Utena Nuosu also had him. He did pretty well. And then I had Stephen Carr. Um, we saw flashes of brilliance from him. I'm really excited just to see what he can do as a player, player wise. Um, Helton said that he's fully healthy and should, we should see more of him on Friday against Stanford. Granted, he did say that leading up to UCLA. So I don't know if they're actually going to meet it this time. I'm really curious what the running back rotation is going to be like, but I'm, I'm stock up for Steven Carr. Yeah, I think we'll see more of him. He's played seven, five and seven plays on offense the last three games that he's been back from his injury. Uh, maybe he can get back to that twenty spot or you know twenty five somewhere in there. You know he was up to I believe thirty thirty one against Texas before Ron Jones was out for the Cow game. And then of course Stephen Carr got uh, a ton of plays that game. But um, I, I think you'll see him involved more. And you know rewatching that Stanford game, 
it was really evident how much USC used all four of their backs. Yeah. Um, I don't know off the top of my head the, the number of carries each of them got, but it just seemed like rewatching the 60-minute version, you're like, oh, well, there's Rojo, of course. Oh, there's some Stephen Carr, and he had some really big runs in that Stanford game. Uh, and then also you're like, oh, there's Vi, and there's uh, Sed Ware as well, you know, using that two-back set. They yeah. Used that. So, you know, there was some – they used all four guys, and, you know, all four guys were churning out some yards – you know, really put they get a lot a really good push up front in that offense line. Uh, that'll be a key going forward uh, in this game is how they can if they can do the same thing without Vianna Tomavio this time. Yeah, definitely. How much do you think? Because I, I feel like the way USC used the running backs against Stanford the first time around was seemed like a great strategy, and then they kind of strayed away from it. Is that just because? Maybe Ronald Jones needed his due or the offensive line wasn't doing as much. So you stick with the guy who you know can do stuff. What where what happened there? I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you, one, you had Ronald Jones get nicked up. Yeah. Um, two, then you had Stephen Carr get nicked up. True. You also had the emergence of the wide receivers. You know, mm-hmm. they became more uh, more prevalent targets for Sam Darnold. Uh, you got Daniel Amore Bebe back. So part of it is... The fact that you lost a couple bodies and those guys got nicked up, part of it is you, you saw some other weapons uh, emerge. But, you know, it seemed like after seeing that game, you're like, oh, USC can be physical up front. And then a couple weeks later, you're like, where did that go? Oh, Toa has got staph infection. Oh, Vianna Talamavio goes down. And I think j- just getting that uh, consistency on the offensive line has been something they've struggled with. And I thought that they had kind of gotten that the last couple weeks until the UCLA game. You know, I thought they'd put up 300 yards easily. Instead, they were held, you know, give, give UCLA's front credit. You know, they held USC to, I think, 150, 170 yards on the ground when they have been getting up over 300 yards a game. So they actually moved above someone in the rankings in the last two weeks because they also held Cal to, I think, 220 or something like that. So they are actually down to in the 280 range, I think, rather than be, becoming potentially the first uh, the first. Power five team in 15 years to give up over 300 yards rushing. Yeah, you know, I was really looking forward to that just because it's a fun stat. Uh, but give credit to USA front; they did they did a good job of uh, shutting US, USC down. And after the first quarter, the first quarter USC really ran the ball well, but after that, not so much. Yeah, um, that transitions into stock down. I actually had USC's O line. Um, I think we all expected more from the running I, game. I had run game. Just so yeah, I yeah. I mean, I talked to Nico Fall about it, and he said they were definitely disappointed um, after that. Just because everyone knew the stat that you just said about UCLA. Um, and then even talking to Ronald Jones after the game, he just was not very pleased. Um, he wasn't angry, but he just, we'd ask him questions and he kind of was like, mm mm-hmm. So, and understandably so. I mean, people expected him to get a lot of yards and, and he didn't even pass OJ Simpson on the all time rusher list. So, it's disappointing. If yeah, it was a little bit USC. disappointing game for the run game just because you, you thought that they would be able to do more things than they did. Um, and, Part of it, you know, I would say give credit to UCLA. They came fired up. But USC, it, that was the big difference for them, you know, being able to convert on third down, it seemed like, because they were not able to, instead of six yards in the, you know, some of the carries they were getting in the first quarter, those became three-yard gains. And then you have two three-yard gains and, you know, a three and a two, it's third and five versus third and one. And they, didn't, they struggled some on third down, so I thought that was the biggest difference. Uh, going through the game is that USC didn't convert as many third downs as they probably should have, and part of that was they didn't run the ball well in the first couple downs. I also had the Coliseum as we know it for Stockdown. That was the last time that was going to be the Coliseum. I mean, as we know point. it, you know, 
So we'll see. A lot of there changes might be a coming. Spaceship coming. <laughs> spaceship. Spaceship is a press box slash you know, rich people hover hub hub. Yeah, hub. I don't I don't understand how that's gonna work. Who knows? I, I, that's a that's a Dan Weber. Uh, he is <laughs> he is fully in on that. And now one of the, the interesting things I saw on the message board this week was. Do you think USC fans can Tennessee the Coliseum redesign? As in, just cause such an uproar that they change their mind? I mean, they should. I mean, that's what Dan's been trying to tell people to, to do for, uh, I believe, what, two years now since yep. this stuff was started. And apparently there's not been enough to cause the administration to change their mind. But, you know, it's, it's going to be much different. You're going to take out a bunch of seats, uh, some primetime seats too. So that's unfortunate for all the... USC season ticket holders are going to be moved. That's you know I don't. That's just not a good idea in my opinion. But yeah, I agree. Do I you think it's a little too late now in the in the uh, schedule to to change things now? Do you think it's because there's it's not very clear about what they're doing? They're, I feel like if you ask the average USC fan, they wouldn't really know. Like, oh yeah, this exactly is what's going to happen. And because that's not very clear, people aren't necessarily angry about it yet, as yeah. opposed to when they see it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely you know there's there's not a single visual thing that you can jump on and say oh this is what you know Shiano gets hired by Tennessee or about to be hired by Tennessee that's one individual thing you can jump on real quick yeah and then also you can really attack one certain thing which was that he was at Penn State and he may or may not have known I mean one of the trustees came out and said hey he didn't know anything this wasn't an issue and Tennessee fans didn't matter that's what the one thing they latched on uh, so there's not one thing in that Coliseum redesign necessarily that you can latch on. Maybe the, the missing seats, that's what I would have latched on. But yeah, uh, there maybe there needed to be something visual for people to understand, like, this is how many seats are going to be gone now. Uh, this is a diagram that shows. But that's my point. You're not going to broadcast that. Like, oh, we're losing this. Someone should have, apparently. Dan Weber was waving he the tried. flag. He tried. I also had Jack Jones on stock down. I had him on stock down as well. Do you think he's regressed? Uh, I don't necessarily think it's that he's regressed. I, I just think that you know he's not making plays, and part of it. I mean, there are a couple times the first deep ball that was called back. He's on Jordan Lasley. That's just a perfect throw. I mean, it's forty something yards down the field, and he's right on the guy's back. There's just not too much you can do about it. It's a great throw. The last one, uh, the touchdown to Lasley at the end. You know, he thought he had help over the top. You can see he immediately turned, and even on the broadcast, they're like, "Oh, the safety over here, Marvell Tell's got to get over the top, or whatever it is." Whatever the call was, there was a, there was a miscommunication there. Those were the things at the beginning of last year that were killing USC. You know, those big plays of getting people behind, and that's what we've seen recently. There's been some times where, you know, the, he's been trying to do too much for Jack Jones individually, but also there's been some miscommunications over there, and I think that's been a problem. Um, the interesting thing is now with Iman Marshall back, Iman Marshall played really well in that game, and Isaiah Langley played pretty well too. Is how much time do they, how do they play out the the reps in that in that case? I mean, they're basically rotating the three guys. You know, they start off with, with two of them, the other guy rotates in for one, rotates in for the other, they go back and they just did the whole the rotation the entire time, similar to how the wide receivers have done previously with uh, Michael Pittman, Stephen uh, Stephen Mitchell, and Tyler Vaughns. They did, they did similar to that. But in the Pac-12 Championship, do we see any difference there? Do we see any change? I think this this week of practice will also determine that as well. Even Marshall has historically been good against UCLA. It's true. He likes playing against Josh Rosen. He does. He does. He's had indeed. a couple picks against Josh Rosen. He looked really good in that game, had a couple breakups. Just looked like he was back. I don't know if he wasn't healthy before, but he just looked, you know, he's crisper. He was breaking a lot better. He was playing with a knee brace, uh, and, and he just looked really good. I thought he looked really good in that game. Mm-hmm. 
That's all I got for Stockdown. Stockdown, I had Jack Jones, like you talked about, and, and needing help, the help over the top. That was, you know, just interesting to see. Uh, he immediately turned around looking for something. The run game, as we talked about, Jim Mora, Stockdown, you know, because he's mm-hmm. out. But at least he's getting paid nice. Him and Todd Graham. Yeah. Okay. I don't understand firing Todd Graham. Like, I understand, like, they're just, like, kind of sick of him and done with him. But you got to have a plan in pl- place to do that. Apparently, Herm Edwards is the plan. I don't know. You play, don't run my game. Well, we'll be excited about that. He'll be a good quote if he if he is a part uh, of the conference going forward. We'll see. I mean, that it could be like Tennessee. There's been like seven different guys. And people are like, oh, okay, this might be the guy. Oh, wait, no, never mind. No, no. Uh, so, until the ink and paper is signed. The ink. And then... It's not even certain then, because then you could have a Billy Donovan situation where he went back to Florida after, or you could have a Rick Majerus at USC where he was signed and he was the head coach for, what, like three days or something? And he's like, oh, never mind, I'm backing out of this, my health or whatever it was. Uh, so, you know, so we'll see what they do there. Uh, give props to UCLA. They had a target, they went out, and they got him. Um, so yeah. that's something we haven't seen. I mean, Mississippi State's like the only other school that, you know, has – Keyed on one person, made the decision to go after that person and got them that nice and quickly. And you know, uh, UCLA was able to do the same thing. Give them credit for that uh, decision and be able to get their guy. Will that work out? Well, we'll see. Uh, I'm not as high on Chip Kelly as everybody else. I think he can be really good, but I think the college football game has caught up a little bit to to his stuff just because everyone's running it now. So defenses see it a little bit more. So how much? How much do you think everyone's like? Oh, everyone. Helton's on the hot seat even more now because Chip's here. I don't think he's on the hot seat, but I think I agree with people when it says that it will force USC to either step up their their game or fall behind. And the number one person that that is put on is, of course, Chip Kelly. I mean, it is on Clay Helton uh, to keep up with, you know, if UCLA has a 10-win season, USC's got to keep up with them as well. So uh, you're not going to be able to fall behind and – uh, it looks like they're heading in the right direction, at least. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll start with the recruiting classes for him, and then go from there. My last stock down was the 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 school USC, and this goes to the hoops uh, because still not clearing DeAnthony Melton. Yep. Um, I don't. <clears throat> no one understands why. Um, the the question, you know, Nathan Fennel for the LA Times has done a really nice job uh, covering this story, and he talked to the lawyer, and the lawyer said that the school actually emailed the lawyer and said. You should probably send uh, a waiver to the NCAA and tell them. It's like, what? Wait, why is or why is USC not sending this waiver? Why? Can't, why does his lawyer need to send a waiver and get him cleared? Why are you not fighting for him? And it's basically the USC is not going to play him until he's cleared and they know that he's eligible and he's not going to cost him any games. But it doesn't seem like they're really fighting for him, and that's that's uh, very disheartening. Yeah, who pays for Melton's lawyer? I would assume that he does. Or that's rough. Some I don't. There's no talent there. That that's rough though. We have a listener question. Listener question. Uh, my homie Tom in Illinois. I don't actually know him, but he's my homie. After this question, can you please tell us why Shotgun hates stock neutral so much? Seems like a great thing. Uh, because you're supposed to pick a side. Is it up or is it down? Do the special teams do good or they do bad? We don't really know. That's exactly. After the game, Shotgun was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, I don't really know where to put special teams." Blah blah blah. And I was like, "You know where? Nope. Stock neutral. Nope. Mm-hmm." It's exactly what you put Because you can put every single thing no. in stock neutral. There's some times where it's just clear. Like this game. Nope. You have the fake punt nope. return, but then you have all the other nope. stuff. Yes. Nope. Yes. Not happening. I'm gonna I have a soundboard, so I might I might boo you. <sighs> Get out of here with that. Stock neutral. 
so happening. Okay, heard it on the sidelines. Um, so I was trying to. I had a, my computer basically broke the day before the game, mm-hmm. so I had to use uh, one of my girlfriend's computers, uh, her work computer, and then also using your computer. At the same time, to get photos uploaded during halftime. And let me just say that those are separate people. <laughs> a lot of people like to combine oh, the yeah. two. <laughs> he has a girlfriend of four years. I am not sing- single. Wow, putting all my business out there. Oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> Shotgun has someone else. That's not me. <laughs> so everyone stop tweeting us. Okay, continue. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> so I used two computers, basically, and I'm trying to upload photos. It took a little bit longer during halftime. So I didn't see the initial kickoff, but boy, did I hear it. When Reed Budrovich... I missed it, too, because I was helping you with my computer. It was so awful. I yeah, felt so, so bad. I heard Reed Budrovich's hit, and like I, I just assumed it was a big hit. <clears throat> Did not know. I heard everybody you know, get loud in the stadium. And then when I went back and watched the replay, I was like, Oh, boy! <laughs> oh, darn it, got lit up! Mm-hmm. Reed Budrovich coming across. He actually hurt himself later in the game, but that was not on that play. He actually got clotheslined, it looked like, from a UCLA player. Not a, no, no call there, randomly, from the referees. But Interesting. Whatever. Yeah, I ended up seeing Reed after the game um, on the field, and I was like, hey, that hit, it's going viral. He was like, no way. I was like, yeah, <laughs> look at this. Because like, uh, I think Bleacher Report did it or something. Everyone caught on to it, but I had it like up while he was around it. I was like, look at this, and he was like, that's so cool. So, yeah, shouts to Reed for punters are people, too. That's true. Um, I also have Malik Dorton, um, you know, Talked to KU after the game. KU's usually, all the coaches on USC staff are usually pretty quick to get out of the stadium after a game, uh, not do interviews if they if they can help it. But I've caught up to KU a couple times, and I asked him about Malik Dorton in particular. Malik Dorton has a big hit on Josh Rosen, uh, the strip sack, you know, knocking the ball loose, big play. And he actually, if you watch the replay, he just throws Scott Quesenberry, who's a first-team All-Pac-12 guy last year who's their senior starter, their center. He just one-hand tosses him out of the way. Like see you, bye. Just, yeah, <laughs> see you, bye. Like a, like a rag doll. Goes right to Rosen, hits him, causes the fumble. John Houston recovers it. Afterwards, KU, like, he couldn't take the grin off his face. It was so it was fun to see him, you know, so excited for one of his players. And he said to see him have success, you smile a little bit brighter with a guy like that, especially when he didn't come in uh, with an easy path. He's worked his butt off. And, and Malik Dorn's a was an outside linebacker initially. He's an undersized guy. He had a bulk up to, to move into the defense line. And he's played some nose tackle recently for USC. Uh, so to see a guy that's been versatile and kind of did whatever the coaches have asked, and he's really improved under KU, it was really fun. And uh, it's fun to see a coach be excited about his player like that. It, it was a, a fun little moment after the game for me. Yeah, two thoughts. One, Malik Dorton is going to be an asset for USC come next year when you lose guys like Fatu and maybe Rasheem Green and you lose to Chen and then, because uh, he, he has an extra year of eligibility, and he's done a good job of maturing over the season. Second thought, do you think KU is underrated? USC is now officially tied for first in sacks in the nation, and you could say that he's done a good job developing young players. Oh, yeah. I actually said earlier in the year in a random practice, I said, I think he's a star in the making. I think KU, the, the attention to detail that he has with his players and the fact that his players have really um, bought in, the fact that like, Rasheem Green in particular – was a guy who was not even in the the starting rotation at the beginning of last year and just became has become more and more become a star and living up to that five star billing like he had in high school. And I think that a lot of that has to do with KU and also just Rasheem Green maturing himself. But you've seen several guys in the defensive line produce when get an opportunity. Christian Rector's another guy who yeah. you know kind of thrown in the mix and, and look how well he's done. I think KU is. You know, uh, I don't know what his aspirations necessarily are in the coaching business. You know, if he wants to be a head coach, or whatever, but. 
I think he's going to be successful at every step. The way he just attacks everything, uh, I think that he is a coach that is going to be really good. And I think for USC, the longer they can lock him up, the better. Agreed. Is it shame that there's kind of a correlation between your hype and how well you are with the media? Because Dylan McCullough is really good with the media, and he, he sounds really good if you videotape him. and He sounds like, okay, you're buying into this coach. KU is kind of more shy and he's not very like media friendly as of now. And I think that kind of plays with his underratedness. If he had the same gusto as Dylan had, I think he would be more on people's radar. I don't know. KU, when you talk to KU, he's great. He's, no, he is. His quotes are great. You know, he, he's fun to talk to. He just doesn't like to do it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And he, he, one of those things, he hasn't said it much this year, but last year he's like, I got, I got to get in, I got to work with these young pups. I got to get these young pups ready. And, you know, he, like yesterday, uh, someone grabbed him afterwards. Um, and, but he was sprinting off and I try to say something to him real quick. And he's like, I gotta get to a meeting. Gotta get, like, he's always on the go getting, uh, going to that next step. So I think that's part of it. I think he's just not, he's not ready to just walk over and like start having a long, he's not Chris Hawkins. He's not waiting, <laughs> waiting for just, the like, media scrum. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Chris Hawkins eventually will be a coach if, if he desires to, he's, he's super uh, smart with the X's and O's. Um, if, if that's his desire after his playing days are over, he will be a coach. Uh, and I think he'll be the guy that walks up and will talk for yeah. like Clay Helton was actually as office coordinator. Yeah. Clay Helton would talk to you, you know, for five ten minutes if you if you desire. T T Martin does the same thing when he's in a good mood. Um, that's not always. You know, after the <laughs> after the loss to Washington State, he didn't want to talk very much at all. Yeah, uh, one one word. An- I mean, uh, one sentence answers. Um, but you know, there's some coaches that 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 dig that stuff, and other ones that want nothing to do with it, like No Callaway. So you know, so you got to. Where you lie, I think I don't think it has to do with your how you're rated as a coach, whether you're underrated or overrated. But I think it's just personality. Do you have anything else? Okay, stock. Oh no, heard, stock already done. Heard Jeez. it on the sidelines. Jock Peterson, kind of random, but although he was a USC baseball commit, um, which is your wheelhouse. But I, I told you that on the sideline. You did, yeah, you definitely did. So I heard <laughs> it on the sideline. Um, he he looked pretty nervous getting ready for the curtain to like pull back, and there was extra time between like him walking up to the curtain because of senior day. So he, I could see his face, and he was kind of getting nervous. And then they finally pull back the curtains, and he was just dumbfounded. He was just like, "Oh my gosh!" And like he, I, I was like, I actually laughed at his reaction, and he looked at me and laughed and was like, "Oh my god!" So I was just like, "Oh, that's cool." A little moment with John Peterson, but yeah, no, I was gonna tweet it out because I got a good facial expression, but the. The internet's so crappy at the stadium. It's really annoying. Um, I, I talked to Christian Rector this week, um, and I was asking him, like, you were you registered the first time USC went to the championship game? And he's like, yeah, I did. But I did get the Apple iWatch. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And he's like, yeah, because, like, the players got an iWatch if you were, like, uh, oh, okay. if you were a part of the, the team. And I was like, that's cool. And iWatch is cool. And he's like, yeah, it was pretty cool until I took it into the shower with me. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I thought it was waterproof. It's not. <laughs> I was just like, okay. You know, He's the, like, the first iteration of Apple products are not yeah. going to be the, the ones that are well-designed the best to, to prevent them from tearing up. Exactly. But they, he was like, they are waterproof now, so now I won't exactly. get in trouble. And I was like, yeah. But I'm like, how do you just end up taking an Apple watch with you in, in the shower? I don't know. I'm not a watch person. If so. you think something's waterproof, you just... I guess so, I but notice. I feel like that would be weird. Okay, anyway, um, I thought the bye week put an extra pep in people's step at practice. Yeah. Um, definitely just, like, the random things of, like, running in between, uh, like, drills or portions of practice. People just were faster. Dar- Donald was, like, sprinting really fast. I was like, okay, so maybe the healthiest we've seen him. He said he rested his arm. 
um, during the whole bye week, um, which he said he felt crisper, sharper, so that maybe helps him. Yeah, I mean, you could tell there's a little extra, you know, a little extra step, a little pep in the step for everyone, just because, you know, they were fresh. That yeah. bye week did wonders for this group, which is why I'm so confused about this game, and I don't I know. I know. Me too. <laughs> because right after the UCLA game or, you know, even after Stanford wins, if USC were to play that next week, um, you know, I knowing they're playing Stanford, I was like, they, they wouldn't win. Without the, the bye week, they would not win. I don't know. Because they were worn down. You know, Stanford's a team that grinds on you as well. That's the perfect recipe for USC, you know, just getting beat down and, and – uh, you know, Stanford just run the ball at the end of the game, you know, for the, like probably like an eight minute drive in the fourth quarter to, to dominate or to, to end the game. Now that they're fresh, now I don't know what to think because USC could come out and, and play lights out like they did early in the season, and, and that may be exactly what happens. Um, so I don't know where, where to put this game at right now, but you can definitely tell the USC players uh, are, 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 have much more energy and are bouncing a little bit more. So, you know, I talked to Cam Smith, and he said exactly the same. He's like, it, it was basically like a refresher. It was a reset button. They were ready to go in. This is like season two now. Now you got the, you, you had season one, was, was the regular season. Now it's season two, postseason time. Yeah, I, I I could really go either way because I feel like under Clay Helton, USC hasn't really tinkered the, the, the a good way to rest and then come out with a lot of energy after a rest, but I'm not saying that they shouldn't arrest because I definitely think they deserved it and needed it. I just don't know if they've mastered the whole bringing the energy from the beginning thing. Yeah, you know, the- I don't know. Cause like, and like, I don't even know because like they had a ton of energy at the beginning of the Wazoo game and I was like, okay, they're in it. And then we saw how that game went. So I don't know. You I don't know. Players in the game and not everybody on your offense like it hurt. Injured. Yeah. That, that, that tends to be a problem. And this team's pretty healthy now. I mean, no poor yeah. Augustine is what we know, and Tyler Petit's still been limited. Tyler Petit only played two snaps against UCLA. Yeah. Uh, but you still you have Daniel Morabebe, who's more and more healthy each week. Um, but I just think that week off, you know, the players got to get away from football a little bit. Yeah. They got to go home. They got to see their family, their friends. You know, do some things away from the football field, which is something they haven't done in like three months. More than that. Has it been that? Oh. I feel like... June because we started we started they started in June or no July. Well, exhausting. <laughs> four months. Four months. It's exhausting. Yeah. It's um, been, so it's been thirteen. This is the thirteenth week of the season, I think. Um, so it's been that thirteen weeks plus four, five, six uh, weeks of training camp beforehand. So you know they they definitely needed it, and I think they've come out and they they look they look like a new team. Are you gonna go that far? Yeah. They look like a new team. It's a different team. It looks different. It looks different in than what, the team you saw the last way? three weeks. In what way? They're fresh. They're bouncing. But that's not a new team. It's new. That's just a re-energized. Well, it's new. Semantics. When's also, the last time they looked like this? Exactly. This is a new like, team. It's completely probably different. Probably going into Stanford. The Twilight Zone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't even. Um, I had... Been, the DBs have been practicing um, fades in the end zone, defending them. Yeah, they need to because that's what Stanford does. And it didn't look too pretty. Oh. So. Well, Stanford's going to do one of two things in the red zone. They're going to run the ball up the middle in between the guards, or they're going to throw a fade. It's like they do nothing else. Watching the Notre Dame game, like they did they did tosses. The quarterback would take the ball. It would be hacked to him. He would toss it back to the running back and then run straight up the middle. Like not, not run, no tosses to the outside, no sweeps, no nothing. Just toss it, we'll run it up the middle. Or hand it off, we'll run up the middle. 
Or we throw four fades, and hopefully one of the guys catches it. Or it could be like the end of the Oregon State game. If there are like 92 fades, some of them are called penalties, some of them are not. We're just going to keep running 92. it until the uh, until we catch one of them. And that's what happened. Do you feel like that's the most BA thing in, in football when you're like, you know what we're going to do, stop it, and then you just can't? Like, I feel like that's like pretty... That's I pretty... mean, that was the 2015 Pac-12 Championship. We're going to get Christian McCaffrey the ball. What are you going to do to stop it? And USC couldn't. We're going to give. They Christian... ran an angle route with against Elijah Tucker, and unfortunately, Uda. he could not keep up with it. That, that's a very tough cover. And so that's the thing. I, I think USC is going to man up a lot. So it's going to be up to Jack Jones. It's going to be up to Isaiah Langley. It's going to be up to Iman Marshall to make some plays on the outside because they're going to throw those big receivers. <laughs> they're going to line up Colby Parkinson, the tight end for most Christian. They're going to line him up outside. They're going to do that, especially in the red zone, but also. Uh, earlier in the game, they're going to get Arcega Whiteside the ball. They're going to throw, you know, they throw some back shoulder stuff. They'll throw some, you know, 50 50 balls. That's what they're going to do. That's going to be their offense. And with KJ Costello, they've got a lot more confidence now, that team, especially on third downs, to make some plays and to throw the ball where their receivers can catch it, which wasn't always the case when I rewatched, you know, that Keller Chris, you know, some of the balls with low. And USC was able to tip a ton of balls that first game. Uchenna Nwosu in particular. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I haven't got a chance to kind of study KJ Costello on his release point where it is. That was one of the things they said after the Stanford yep. game is that mm-hmm. against Kaylor Chris, we had studied the tape. We saw that he had a lower release point. We're going to make sure we get our hands up. And I think Uchenna had four in that game, maybe. Yeah, that was the breakout game of like, oh, okay, PBUs are a thing now. <laughs> like it, From our defensive linemen, our, our outside linebackers, we're definitely going to get our hands up and you know, uh, it happened a couple times in the UCLA game. Mm-hmm. Lee Dorton had one. Cam Smith had one. USC's done a really good job of that all season. That's another thing that, that KU and John yeah, Manson exactly. really have worked on with that group. And, you know, you see it paying off. Do we want to get into Key for Change? Well, I got one more hurting on the sideline. Oh, what? You told me you didn't. I just I was going to let you go. That's mm, it. Lies. The fake punt return. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I don't, well, I, don't, I guess it's a fake punt return. I don't know. I kept calling it a fake punt return because I'm like, I don't know what else to call it. I said they okey-doked him. You know, they basically, they put him on the row or, you know, they, they, they took the punches. They Muhammad Ali'd it. <laughs> you know, Jenna Harris um, faked that he was returning the punt. The ball went completely the other way. Uh, Michael Pittman, it was so close to him being out of bounds, too. I asked him, I was like, you know, were, was that something you were worried about? He said, I looked down and saw that I was in, and he took off. And there were two guys on that side of the field. And as soon, I was behind the end zone uh, just in case they came after it to try to get a punt return. I was trying to get a good, good pick of that, or a punt block, excuse me. And when as soon as the ball went off his foot, I looked up, and I, at my peripheral, I'm, I'm following the ball with my eyes. At my peripheral, I see everyone's going a different direction. I'm like, uh-oh, this is a big play. This is a big play. And then I try to sprint over to the side <laughs> where the returners are at so I can get pictures of him running towards uh, the end zone. And, there, and like there were several uh, other photographers trying to do the same thing because everyone in the end zone saw what was happening. Yeah, you could hear right as that started to happen, you could hear all the shuffling of people grab, grabbing their cameras, <laughs> getting in position. Because like from my point of view, I just follow the ball on punts. So it was just like, whoop. In the air, there's Michael Pittman. No one's around. Touchdown. Like, it looked like nothing. <laughs> it was just like, what is happening? But I did see out of the corner of my eye, Michael Pittman just slipped back, and I was like, okay. But, yeah. So, I heard that, that UCLA's punter was yelling, it went right. It went right. And no one heard him. You can see on the broadcast, he's, like, trying to wave people. He's yet, you can see him. You can hear him a little bit on the broadcast uh, when they showed a replay from uh, the end zone. And he, he knew. He knew. Uh-oh. When he saw everybody, he's like, no, 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 don't go that way. Don't go that way. It's like a scary movie when you're in the theater. Don't go, don't, don't go in that door. <laughs> I was basically the, the punter on that one. And he knew something horrific was coming. Touchdown. 
And the Jane, they had to sell it because he was saying that he, you can't raise your hands above your head because then that's a fair catch. Yeah, if anyone calls a fair catch, the ball is dead Play's upon dead. catch. So, But he sold it. He said he took acting classes at USC, so he, he, he used them. But he was saying that he was like, I kind of liked it when people were like in my face because I was like, the ball's over there. So it was funny seeing him all oh, like His reaction is great because yeah. once, once he kind of pulls up from the fake catch attempt, he looks over and you just see a big smile on his face. And all the other, the defender, the what? UCLA guys are like, wait, wait, what's, what's going on? Why is he? What? Whoops. What? <laughs> Whoops. Um, Whoopsie. Keep it, change it. Are you feeling that? Nah. Not feeling it either. <laughs> so let's go into questions. It's a, it's a new team. I know. So you can't really uh, keep or change anything. It's a new team. It's not the new team. New team. Um, Clay Hilton was asked this week, is Stanford was the most complete victory that they had? Um, 600 yards of total offense against a David Shaw team is pretty crazy. But he didn't, he didn't flat out say yes. Do you, I feel like you would. Or would you not say that because you don't want to set yourself up for in case you lose, you didn't improve, any of that? I don't really know why. I mean, it, it was. It was our best win. I mean, the Arizona State won the game. They won pretty handily, too. Uh, so you could even say, yeah, it was, it was one of our best along with Arizona State. That's when we played our best. Now, do you, how have they improved since then? Oh, that's the question mark. Uh, they haven't really lived up to potential, and part of that is they've not been quite as healthy since that game, uh, starting with the offensive line getting nicked up a couple weeks later. The Arizona, I mean, the next week against Texas, losing Rasheem Green for a little bit. Uh, Rojo goes down for part of it. Stephen Mitchell got nicked up in that game. So, yeah, you started getting – more and more injuries coming out of that week. Um, so that's part of it. Um, can they play? And also, I don't think he wanted to give any bulletin board material. Like, yeah, that's our best game, and, you know, that's something that Stanford, that's when they play their best. All right, we're going to beat them this time. We're going to show them our best this time. So yeah. uh, maybe that's part of it. I, it was just kind of a weird answer, I guess. Yeah. Do you think it will be this game will be a litmus test? It's kind of ironic that their most, I guess, complete game was – week two and now they're facing them again do you think it's a fair comparison to be like okay how have you gotten better if you can replicate it again against the team that you played week two uh I, well i think people look at this stanford team as being uh, a different stanford team than when they faced them the first time yeah similar to usc last year at the beginning of the season versus the end of the season because uh like take for example alabama if USC were to play Alabama again at the end of last season, people thought it would be a much different game, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was a different team with Sam Darnold at the helm. Stanford is a different team with KJ Costello. Like I said, they're playing with a lot more confidence, especially on third downs, that they can convert stuff. Whereas before, it was like, okay, we need to get eight yards on first and second down so we have a third and short because we don't know if we're going to complete many third down passes uh, under Keller Chris. So, you know, I, I think that if you beat them and you beat them handily, then I think that says a lot about this. If you struggle with them, if you get blown out, it says a lot as well. If it's a close game, that's just Stanford-USC rivalry. You mentioned third down in, in Stanford. How weird is it that against Notre Dame, they were 2 of 11 for third down? 2 of 11, 18%. When it, when's the last time that a team went 2 of 11 or 18% in third down conversions and won the game? I don't have that stat pulled up, sorry. Come on, Shotgun. I'm not Stats, Inc. Um, you are, a little bit. <laughs> uh, it, it is. Uh, that just tells you how well they were able to do on first and second down. I believe USC actually had a game earlier this year where they were not great on third downs, uh, but were just super, super good on first and second downs. They didn't get many third downs. They put up a bunch of points in a game, but they, they didn't, just didn't have many third downs. Uh, I think that was what it is. I, I think this game is... 
you know, is not necessarily just the litmus test, but this determines whether it's going to be a everybody's going to look at the season as a positive or a negative. Yeah, I completely agree. And you said it earlier on the Facebook Live is that you know this is this is a chance to this could be a revisionist history game. You know, it's yeah. going to change how people look at those first twelve games a little bit. You know, if they just get by, then you're like, or if they lose, you're like, oh, you know, this is the same problems we saw all year. You know, we should have seen this coming. Blah blah blah. You know, I, I think it, like you said earlier, that it's definitely a game that can can alter how people look at the season. Yeah, I I, I definitely yeah. You basically repeated everything I said earlier, <laughs> so I agree with myself. Um, but I'm pretty sure that you took it out of my mind at some point. Yeah, I tend to read your mind, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I def- yeah, I definitely think this has potential to change how people feel. I feel like if you win the Pac-12, you also win your bowl game. I just have that feeling for some reason. Yeah, I know that's, that's there's. <laughs> I don't know if that's true because I'm, that's my gut feel. I'm not saying there's any like rhyme or reason for that. I'm just saying that's my gut feel. USC is mostly most likely in the Fiesta Bowl or the Alamo Bowl, and that's and that's a you just missed the playoff team that they're yeah. going to play. So, so I don't actually know if that's Alabama. true. Alabama, that could be Ohio State. Alabama rematch. That could be Georgia. Georgia. Uh, that could Go be down. you know a number of teams there. Uh, it could be even Auburn if Auburn loses that championship game. So you're going to face a very good team. And we said earlier there's there's just not a true dominant team this year. Like last year, you kind of knew that it was going to be Alabama and Clemson throughout the season. Yeah. Um, you know, those two teams, Deshaun Watson was just leading, you know, Clemson on runs every game, it seemed like. This year, is there a dominant team? You're like, like even Clemson's number one right now. I was like, I don't. I wouldn't have a ton of faith in them against any of those other teams in the top four. Yeah. There's no team I'm like, oh, yeah, they'll definitely be in the championship. None of those four teams that are in the top four currently. Wisconsin's undefeated, and you're like, oh, really? They're undefeated? Yeah. You're like, and Of course, they haven't played anybody great. Uh, that's part of it. But, you know, all those teams up there, there's, there's eight to ten teams that are quote-unquote playoff caliber for 2017. And of those eight to ten teams, maybe two of them – would be in the conversation last year, and they wouldn't even necessarily be in those top two. For they would definitely not be in the top two. I think the Alabama team last year and the Clemson team were much better than any team this year. Which, if you're a USC fan, justifies your, I guess, justifies your anger as to why USC can't win impressively. Because I definitely think that they would be in the conversation if they did win uh, impressively, and then got the. I don't know. I don't like wading into this because I go back and forth all the time about it. But I just think that. For people who are upset why they're not in the conversation, because we get a lot of questions of like, why are they? Why is Penn they're not State? Gonna be blah, in the blah blah blah. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They, they, Penn State shouldn't be ahead of them for one. Yeah. Um, because if, just because that Penn State initially was ranked behind them, and Penn State's beat nobody since then. USC's beat <laughs> nobody since then. There should be no change in those where those two are in in favor of each other. Because it, but it's feel. It's the feel. Yeah, and Penn I, State I, beats up against Maryland, and that looks good. Quote against unquote. Rutgers, they didn't play anybody at the end of the season. Like I, they played two awful teams and they won like they were supposed to. Oh. USC played two bad teams and they won. They didn't win convincingly, I guess. But I don't think that, like I said earlier, I don't think the playoff committee is even watching the USC games. I think they're too late for them. I don't think they really care. They're like these teams are outside the top ten. We don't really care to watch them. I'll save my Saturday college football viewing for the really good teams. And that's been the case with USC, especially when they're not playing anybody since that Notre Dame game that's, that's worthwhile to watch till this week. They'll have all eyes on them. If yeah. they, they beat Stanford handily, they make a move up to you know the top 
six or somewhere in there, but and that would take other teams losing. But I don't. There's no way they're getting the top four. They're not going to jump over Alabama for yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. You know, even if three of those top four teams lose, they're not jumping Alabama. So they're not going to get in over Alabama. The there's just no way they're going to get in the playoff right now. Even though there was the whatever the hypothesis, there was a coin flip basically whether they would get in if everything shook out. They're not going to get in over Alabama, and they're not going to get in over Ohio State, who just beat Wisconsin in this scenario. So, not going to happen. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about the college football playoff, we actually got a voicemail. Voicemail? We're special. We're like Ryan Abraham and get the voicemails. Um, It's kind of long. So, the caller, if it's cut off a little bit, I'm sorry, but I cut you down if I did. So, let's hear it. Hey, Keely Shotgun. This is Jeff from the Orange County I wanted to uh, well, I want to give you my take on your guys' take on the uh, college football playoff scenario and how you guys believe USC should or shouldn't be in there. Keely, I absolutely disagree with your take on the college football uh, playoff. USC should absolutely want to be in the play- college football playoff. Right now, as it stands, I mean, Clemson, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Auburn are all in the playoffs. You take any one of those teams out and put USC in, and we have more than a fighting chance in the college football playoff. Now, if we go to the other route and go the way that a lot of people are asking for, how people are saying, hey, USC shouldn't be in the playoff, USC should want to go to the Fiesta Bowl and play another team. Well, here are the other teams that we might play in the Fiesta Bowl. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio, Ohio State, Miami. Do we have an, any better of a shot against those four teams as we do the prior four teams? A- absolutely not. Personally, I'd probably rather go up against the first four. And then there's even the worst-case case scenario. Let's say they throw us in the Fiesta Bowl and we have to play someone like, I don't know, 11-0 and UCF or 10-1 uh, Memphis. I mean, we'd probably be favored, but we always play down in our competition. So we may lose those games, too. So the fact of the matter is I would rather go to the college football playoff and, you know, worst-case scenario, we lose that. Uh, the other scenarios is, you know, we just lose another bowl game to um, Alabama or Ohio State or something like that. So for all the fans who are stating, hey, I don't want to go to the college football playoffs, stop being quitters. I want to go to the college football playoff, and I want to win the national championship. Hey, you guys, take care. Bye. Damn right. Damn right. <laughs> well, Stop you. being quitters. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Jeff, for calling in. Um, I appreciate the civ- civility. Because, okay, because... <laughs> so, I didn't realize how much people were going to get so upset over... Because in my head, it was just like you and I getting into a little bit about this little topic. <laughs> and you were wrong. That's okay. why people got upset about it. You guys okay, but, okay. abjectly wrong. You and Ryan Abraham both. I, okay, the thing... I, I will admit... Th- my argument is from my like my position as a neutral person that's still involved with USC football, which is a very select few people. Otherwise, you're either going to be a fan or you're going to be a player. And obviously, if you're a fan or a player, you want to go to the highest thing. You want to go to the college football playoff. If you don't, you're a quitter, blah, 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 blah. Someone tweeted me, obviously, you've never been an athlete because that's a horrible mentality. I'm not saying if you're a player, you're like, no, let's not shoot for the highest. I'm just... My argument is from my point of view, where I'm not a fan of USC, but I but I think it would be best for USC to go to a bowl game where they could win. But I understand Jeff's argument where they're probably going to go to a team where 
Yeah, so they just part, missed the, part of this was that everybody expected, oh, they'll pl- they would if they get in, they sneak in, they play, they'd be fourth, they'll play Alabama. Well, and they're like, now, oh, Alabama's so great and holy. No, Alabama's well, not that great this year either. Yeah, they're another one of those teams. They're like I said, there are eight to ten teams that are all quote unquote playoff caliber. There's no dominant team. Everybody thought that yeah. was Alabama, but Alabama hadn't played anybody this year. They beat up on FSU, or they didn't beat up. They played and beat FSU when but, they had their quarterback. Uh, but FSU turned out to be not very good without you know Francois. Without Francois. And then their biggest win was Mississippi State. I mean, Nick Saban is still I think has never beat a a nine win Auburn team. So and that streak continued. Auburn beat up on them in that game, and they've had some injuries too. I mean, that's part of it. But I think everyone kind of just like, oh, they can't play with this undefeated Alabama team. And now you look at the teams that they may play and who they would be playing in the in the in the uh, playoff if they were to get there. And he point makes a great point. That next four teams is just as dangerous as that top four teams. You look at them, you look at talent-wise, and you're like, yeah, we could play with Wisconsin for sure, yeah. You look at Georgia's in that next round, you're like, oh, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama's the next Do I really want to play Wisconsin or Ohio State and Alabama? Like, you look at the talent on those top eight teams, and you start looking at it like, we might as well be in the playoff because those top four teams might have less talent than the next four teams. Yeah, that's part of it, and and now people are kind of realizing that. And the whole, the, my whole argument is, you you're trying to win a championship. So even if you're playing the '85 Bears, you want to go and have a chance in that in that uh, playoff. Because if you don't have, if you don't get into the playoff, you don't have a chance at all. So you become a group of five team because UCF should be higher ranked than that. I mean, they're they're leading the nation in scoring. They're dominating people. They're undefeated, and they're what thirteenth. Come on, give him a chance, folks. Give him a chance. No, yes, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I That's right. You realize my argument was no, great. No, I still. And you I changed st- your mind I because st- you were incorrect, and no, now you realize it. I still. I still. You still want to be wrong? I still believe that. I guess my whole point was this is not a championship team. So why put yourself. Who is a championship team this year? I'm not. I'm talking in an isolated USC occurrence. So. I, okay, I understand. I gave you your due. I agree. We've, I've said this before. USC, if they play to their potential, can they beat anybody in the country? This year, you would say yes. That's a big if, though. And True. that's my point. True. But I know. Any given Saturday, blah, blah. Yes. No, okay, okay. But there are eight other teams that are saying the same thing. I know. Because I know, no one's really playing to their potential all season. So there's no dominant team. So why would you not want to be in that running? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fine. Yeah. I just... I just don't know. Thanks for the call. No, get out of here. On the whole, about this season. This season. I just think the reaction is just so interesting. And I feel like, okay, this is my question for you. Do you feel like USC season last year made fans biased to the trajectory of this year? And let me explain. Last year was one in three. And so the expectations were... Okay, well, this is this season's in the crapper, like whatever. And then this new guy, Sam Darnold, comes around, and oh my gosh! And then every you could tell USC was getting better each game, and everything was just it was an upward trajectory. Even if the games were convincingly won, you could argue even Penn State that they were down. You know what I'm saying? So that was a crazy game. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to this year, there's so much hype that it seems like a letdown. Versus if you had different expectations or you didn't have last year, you wouldn't feel that way. 
I mean, I, I kind of agree with that. There were some games last year where teams were in the games. Um, it was the the Cal game was kind of close, and they pulled away at the end. The Oregon game was kind of close in the fourth quarter. At the beginning of the fourth quarter, they pulled away at the end. Uh, so, and the UCLA game, I think it was tight at halftime, and then USC pulled away, if I remember correctly. Maybe forgetting that one. But there were some games where, and there was a lot of teams that weren't very good at the back end of that schedule. It looked really good because USC was, you know, it looked like they were continuing to play better. This season, it hasn't exactly gone that way. And I think I completely agree. I don't think you need to explain yourself. I think people are biased off of last year's uh, results because they finished the season so strong, and people just, I guess, naturally thought, oh, yeah, that's going to continue, even though we lost some key components. We had to replace. Uh, they're like, well, just, they'll they'll be fine. We'll step in. Those offensive linemen will step in. They'll be fine. The, the uh, you know we'll replace Stevie Tuikolavatu like it's nothing. But that hasn't been the case. You know, there's been some holes that USC's had to fix, and because of the preseason ranking and the hype around Sam Darnold in particular, I think people just kind of expected it to be that way. And that hasn't been the case this season. And this team is still trying to grow. And I, I think that's the biggest thing is people know that there's more there, but we haven't necessarily seen it. Yeah, I mean, because I feel like from a national perspective, it was like, oh, they have Rojo. Oh, they have Sam Darnold. Yeah, that Rose Bowl was such an emotional, great victory game. They must be great next season. But no one actually looked deep into it. And, and I also think it's, it's it's multifaceted in the sense that maybe if the wide receivers had more time preseason, maybe, getting that chemistry. I know I ring that bell every single podcast, but I still believe it's true. Even Helton mentioned it this, this yesterday. He asked, like, why are Darnold's numbers better in the second half? And he was like, more or less, because the wide receivers have come into their own, you know? So You're like the Salvation Army at Walmart, just <laughs> ringing the bell. the wide receivers? But it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. But, okay, whatever. Because um, here's the thing. This is an inexperienced team. I know, I keep hitting the mic because I'm very passionate. No, this is an, it's an inexperienced team. It's a young, quote-unquote, young team in that sense. And so expecting them to play like a team that's not... Wait, how young is this team? Okay, ready? Let's get into it. Thanks for setting me up. <laughs> okay, so we're just going off of the starting lineup against UCLA. Okay, ready? Chuma Doga. Was he a starter? Last year? Last year. Eh, not really. Chad Wheeler. He, he wasn't. Not really. This is, this is the game of, were they starters last year? Okay. Andrew Voorhees, the freshman. No. He was a starter at Kingsburg. Okay. <laughs> Kingsburg. I, I, I feel like high school's a little bit different. Oh, okay. Uh, Nico Fala. Yes. After Chris, the first game. Chris Brown. New. Tolo Badon at left tackle. Definitely not at left tackle, and he only played one game last year before Terrence ACL. True. Uh, Deontay Burnett, for a whole season. Eh, no. No. Part-time so starter. It's not a full season of experience. That's what we're counting here. Part-time starter. Sam Darnold. Part-time starter. Ronald Jones. Part-time starter. Daniel Waterbaby. Part-time starter. Tyler Vons. New. Michael Pittman. New. Okay. Different point. Let's transition to defense, shall we? Defense. Josh Watu. Part-time starter. Nah, no. Started one no. Game. Started one game. Jordan Isefa. No. Currently at Predator. Currently no. at a different position. Cam Smith at Mike. No, he was at Will last year. You're correct. <laughs> uh, Jack Jones. No. Marvel Tell. Marvel. Part-time starter. Sort of, but Leon McQuay. Rasheem Green. Part-time starter. He kind of took over after the first game. Uh, sort of. Yuchina Nuosu. Yes. John Houston Jr. No. Emil Marshall. Yes. Chris Hawkins. Part-time starter. Ajayne at nickel. Part-time starter. Part-time. He took over like the fifth game after Not. Jonathan Lockett blood his hip. That was later in the season. 
Anyway, my point is, and I know that all teams go through that, but how many how many guys were full time starters from that list? Nico? One no, Nico's not a full time starter, but he had three. Three Lamar Marshall and, and uh uh Utena. That's a big deal. Like I you can't you can't underestimate that. And so you're gonna see this team is inconsistent. They're inconsistent in every facet of how they play. And a mark of and and being that young, that underdeveloped, or not having that many reps is going to make you inconsistent. Uh, Ajene took over in week seven, week oh. eight, something like that. Okay, see, told you. Um. <laughs> it is a cluster of things that is formed and swarmed Swarm. together into a, a funnel cloud of tornadoes spewing things out. And one week, you know, magma. <laughs> no, it, the tornado spin in, and one time it spits out the fence. One time it spits out the cow. You know, that's kind of like the, the issues USC has. One time it's the injuries. One time it's the coaching decision. One yeah, time, that's, and that's it just kind point. of is a little bit of everything is combined into that funnel. And uh, I think all those things have been issues at one time or another. Yeah. I'm just saying there's, I know no one likes to use it, but I'm, there, there's a nuance there's, there's to this in the sense that you can't expect guys who haven't had an, a lot of reps to play like they're. That's college football, though. I'm, You're going to have to. Guys are going to have to step up. I know, and and we've totally seen that. We've seen that with Toa. We've seen that with O line. We've seen that with Jack Jones. We've seen it. I'm just saying, you can't expect a whole both sides of the ball to all do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. There was a lot of people. There was a lot of playing time last year for some of those guys that were part time starters. <sighs> Yeah, but, but yes, I'm know, just saying that is not the ideal experience. How about that? I'm not saying this is this is the whole reason to excuse the team because they're inexperienced. I'm just saying I feel like that has been an underlooked facet of this team. That's all I'm saying. I get what you're saying. Prediction? Shall we? Do you have anything else to add? I don't think so. How difficult is to go up against a team that you've already faced, especially if you're a guy like Clancy Pendergast who likes to keep his his cards close to the vest. You know, I think it's a, it's in. It's tough. It's obviously tough. It's even tougher to be the team three times. Talk about that in basketball, uh, but to play a team football team twice is how much can you learn from the first time you played them? How much can you do the same? You know, there's going to be you know, there's at halftime. It's you know sometimes it looks like a team is completely different in the first half and second half. There's a lot of adjustments that can happen at halftime. Now you've got 12 weeks to go off of. You know, 12 weeks of change. You got a different quarterback. It's a it's kind of a whole new matchup. I don't think you can take a lot away from that first time and say, oh, especially when it's at the beginning of the season and now. Now, if you're like the Mountain West when you got Fresno State and Boise State playing again after they played last week, which makes no sense, and somehow Boise State is the higher-ranked team, so they get home field even though I think Fresno beat them last week, which makes no sense. Um, so if that were the case, you can take a lot more from it. But it, it's kind of like these are, you know, your team at the beginning of the year, your team at the end of the year are kind of different teams. Uh, if, you, if you're if you USC and you got a bye week, you're a whole new team. Going back to that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I saw you roll your eyes. <laughs> uh, going back to it. So, you know, it's it's like a whole new USC team. Do you use the stuff from the first game? I don't think you do. You don't build your game plan off that at all. I really? Think you, I is think it... you just prepare like this is a new opponent. But are you overthinking it at that point? Because no, USC has gotten in trouble with that. No, getting too cute. I think you look at the, their last month of thing. You look for any trick plays or stuff they ran in the first game or stuff they ran a bunch against you in the first game. All right, we need to cover that. But I think you look at the last uh, month 
and see what kind of what they've done on tape the last month and go off that because like I said they got a new quarterback so they're going to be yeah. running different stuff in that regard. You got Bryce Love who's banged up, so they're not going to run probably the same type of stuff for him that they did in the first game when he was healthy. Uh, I think there's just some different weapons on both sides that you need to focus more on what they've done recently than in the past. Yeah. As far as Nico Fala said that Harrison Phillips was the toughest defensive lineman he's gone against all season long. Um, and he said that Stanford's just stacking the box more now. So th- there's different things, and I think that you – it's almost like like you said, it's a new team a little bit. But, like, I just don't think – I feel like USC could have the chance to get too cute, you know? They could. That's always – I mean, they did that in what was the Colorado game with the, the stupid trick play inside the 10-yard the oh, line. Someone really likes the trick play and it's forcing it. It feels so forced, and I want to know who that is. Who's doing that? Well, trick plays can usually be either put in or vetoed by the top. So we haven't seen all their trick plays. I'm sure there's more of them they could pull out. Uh, but we have seen some that were very strange at the time when it seemed like the offense was really rolling to throw them in there. So uh, it's got to be somewhere up to close to the top there. Someone, someone near the top is making those decisions. So what are you saying? I'm saying someone near the top is making those decisions. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think if you're a individual player, if you're Jack Jones, then you look at what our Sega Whiteside did, you know, what his steps were in the last game. But if you're looking at it as a coordinator, I think you don't really you know, focus in on that last game against Stanford. Now, maybe you look back at the last three times or four times your team has played Stanford and what is the trends. You, you pull the, uh, the remember the Titans. I got the science or I got the math teacher to to go over his tape from the last you know the last two years and this is what he runs on every third down or whatever. You don't remember that part? Remember the that Titans? Heaven and remember the Titans? Yes. When? Who? Will Will Patton comes in and uh, he says hey, I got some stats for it. or no Denzel Washington brings it into Will Patton's like here's what they've run the last so long. Oh. I got the math teachers to look over their their game tape. Wow. Yeah. I missed that part. I guess that was pre. Uh, analytics, the analytic age. Oh, Denzel, so innovative, <laughs> that guy. Oh, Herman uh, Boone, you know. <laughs> um, prediction, shall we? I told you, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. You know what I have to say about that? <laughs> you should, you should know. Actually, no, I don't know either. I just really wanted to use that sound effect. Uh-huh, I see how it is. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I really feel like it could be either way. You know, I, I think. I feel like it's hard to get. Two wins over Stanford in a season. I tweeted this right after Stanford was officially in that Stanford's going to want redemption for that week two loss. Yeah, you know, they didn't play great. David Shaw. Well, they didn't play. They didn't play great, but they didn't play bad. David Shaw said, "Like we didn't play that bad. They just beat us." Uh, so they're going to want redemption for that game. They think they can play better. They got a new quarterback. They're going to have energy. Uh, I think Cam Smith said they're like a whole new team. It's just like, they've got a different culture. They've got. A, that's what he yeah. said. He had, it's like a whole new culture there. Um, so they're going to be wanting to prove that that was a fluke at the beginning of the season. And also for them, they're on this uh, a pretty good win streak. They want to prove that that loss and the San Diego State loss were both you know, kind of flukes both at the beginning of the season. They want to be like USC last year. They're going to say, hey, look how strong we played down the stretch. Yeah. USC is going to want redemption, especially those older players, for two years ago in the Pac-12 championship when it became the Christian McCaffrey show. Yeah. And that, that game was close to the first half, I believe, and there was something that happened at the end of the first half that USC wasn't able to score, and then I think Stanford got the ball to start the second half, and then they just never could catch up. They had yeah. no chance because they weren't stopping McCaffrey. So, you know, I think USC's players, their older players that are in the lineup, are going to want redemption for that game. So how that matches up, 
again, there's a lot of factors that are going on this one that I can't really put my hand on of like this is going to be the thing that determines this game because I feel like it's a different team for USC. They got more energy. The coaches had more time off, so maybe they come up with some some trick plays or something we haven't seen. Maybe they you know maybe they d- decide and they maybe they self scouted and realized hey if we just keep running the ball against some of these teams it'd be we could just run all over them for the whole game and maybe they self scouted and realized that they should just stick with some things when it's working like we've said. Multiple times this year. I think so. I think we have. Yeah, the Family Feud says just run what's working. Survey says. Ding, ding, ding. Exactly. Oh wait, hold on. Survey says. That's not really. A, oh, whatever. I gotta get. <laughs> I gotta get good sound effects. No. Speaking of running the ball, do you think this is Ronald Jones' last game? Yes. No. 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 They got a bowl game. You said that in the Facebook Live that it was his last game. I said last season, not his last game. I said. I said his. Oh no! I said his last game. Did you? Yep. I misheard you. That's why I was like, you were so like, yep. And I was like, really? Wow. And no one really questioned it. I was like, okay. Misunderstood you then. No, I think it's last season. I think he'll play in the bowl game. Yeah? I don't think he'll sit out like some other guys. I can't see it. Ronald Jones doesn't seem like that type of guy. I don't know. Um, It also depends who they're playing, what game it is. And if it's the Alamo Bowl, he's going to be home in in Texas, so he'd have a ton of people there. So that would definitely be something that he would want to play in front of. So I don't know. It just depends. Yeah. Yeah. the whole beginning of the season seems like a lifetime ago. Like, Ryan mentioned in the Facebook Live that Stanford went to Australia. Totally forgot about that. And then... Yeah, that happened. <laughs> and, and then UCLA basketball went to China. You didn't hear about that either, did you? Uh, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Actually, I saw Arash Mukherjee yesterday, and I was asking him all about that in the LeVar drama. But anyway, besides the point, I thought it was interesting how I totally also forgot that USC... Out Stanford in Stanford in oh, that yeah. game that because that because game. Hilton said yeah, that the key was being efficient on first and second down and that's something we haven't really necessarily seen from USC from that game. Well, you know, like there's been times when they get third down and one they can't get it. Yeah, and so they've been efficient on those in those cases. Yeah. So I, I, USC was really good running the ball on first and second down in that game. I mean, they were getting chunk yardage similar to the the beginning of the UCLA game. They were getting chunk yards on first and second down. And then, you know, they were able to convert on third down. And then after the first quarter against UCLA, they, st- they made some adjustments or whatever it was, uh, and UCLA start- started stopping that, and the run game wasn't as uh, efficient. I think the run game is the key. Because that Stanford front seven is not great. Um, you know, their their DBs at the beginning of the season were probably the best in the Pac-12. And, you know, they've had a couple injuries. I think Elijah Holder's still out for them. But Reed, uh, you know, he got nicked up in one game, but he's back. He is a He's a dynamic player at the safety position. Um, I think the front seven, though, there's gaps there. I think USC can run against them again, uh, but their their offensive line has to play well. And the first game, like I said, I saw Chris Brown and Vianney Talamavio at times being six, seven yards down the field making blocks on defensive linemen. So that means they pushed them back that far. They could do that if they can do that again. I think USC can control the game. Agreed. Give me your score, Mister. Well, I, I said twenty-eight, twenty-four. But, 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 but. But who's winning? I said Stanford earlier. I might change my mind now. What? What? Yeah, that's how. That's how unsure of this game I am. I'm gonna say 28-24 USC now. Oh, wow! And you you got so mad at me on the Facebook Live for, for trying to get the real answer out of you, and this is the real answer. Because yeah, I don't know. I told you. But your gut answer understand. when I asked you at practice was Stanford. No, my answer at practice was. You said Stanford. No, I you said, said Stanford. St- you said USC comes out flat and Stanford wins. That's what you said. That's that what you said. Stanford Cardinal. That was not my full answer. <laughs> that 
That was not my full answer. <laughs> it no. was. It... No, I said USC comes out flat. Stanford gets ahead. USC rallies. Stanford beats them in the end. Um, or and then I paused and I said, or this is a new fresh USC team. They come out and they dominate in the trenches and they win. It's because I don't understand. I don't know. <laughs> you don't understand. I don't understand this team. They're they're an enigma wrapped in a conundrum. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's not fair because then you're stealing my answer. I said either 28-21 USC or 28-24 USC. But then I'm also like, Meh, I don't know how much I'm sold in that. 63-58. to 58. Watch that be right. That's not going to be right. If you get that right, I will, be not... I will buy you a new car. <laughs> okay. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> no, that's uh, awesome. There won't be enough possessions for that to happen. That's yeah. the thing. USC has to uh, take care of the ball. Not turn the ball over. They had two turnovers against Stanford the first game. Still were it. But because the reason why they were able to win still is because they dominated each possession they had. And they didn't turn it over those two times. You know, they were really, they worked the ball down the field and they scored touchdowns. The first half, they had five possessions, one interception, four touchdowns. When you can do that, then you force Stanford to become a throwing team in the second half. And you saw, you know, guys like Porter Gustin and Uchenna Nwosu were able to get in the backfield and, and cause some havoc a little bit. And that's not what Stanford wants to do. They want to be ahead, work the clock, pound the ball on you with Scarlett and Bryce Love. If you make KJ Costello, if you make him be the guy, I don't know if he's quite ready for that. I don't know if he's the guy to lead him on a second-half comeback. I think he's good. I think he's going to be pretty good there at Stanford. I think he's the best quarterback they've had since uh, Andrew Luck. But he's not there yet. So yeah, I, I think I you've agree. got to force him to be the guy. And I think USC will do that with their defensive schemes at least early. You know, They're going to stack the box. They're going to try to do those things. they got to make sure they stay in their gaps, don't give up the 75-yard run uh, You know, off the break to Bryce Love. But I think it's going to be up to those quarterbacks to make some plays. I agree. I expect Bryce Love to have – Mild success, you know, one or two explosive plays. There's always that in the Clancy defense, there's those couple big plays. But I don't expect Bryce Love to have his day, especially because he's not 100%. I think he's going to have 89 yards. Very specific. I will hold you to it. I don't think USC loses this game unless they beat themselves. So no turnovers. Also, if you're ahead, actually do something in the third quarter with your offense. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why would USC want to do do offense in the third quarter? I mean, I don't know. USC's USC as a whole just says we don't do that. They we don't wanna, do this third just, quarter offense. They want to make it interesting. Have a little like make sure test USC's fans' hearts. What is USC this third quarter? You're supposed to score? I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it at all. So if if you are up at half, come out of the half and keep your pedal to the metal. You know how many points they scored against Stanford in the third quarter of the first game? I believe it was zero. Oh, zero. Yeah, because for a long time, for I feel like it was seven games. It was <laughs> USC's defense didn't let the score happen in the third quarter, and USC didn't score in the third quarter. Yeah. It was USC's a zero-zero. USC's defense zero. did not allow a point either in the third quarter, but... That third quarter, man. Who knew? Who knew? All we right. all knew. We've been talking for a while. Game over. Game <laughs> over. Uh, Championship... Then, then what happens next? A Fiesta Bowl if they win, Alamo if they lose, according to Ryan Abraham. So we'll see. We will see. And I, mean, I guess the one thing that we didn't really talk about in this game that was spectacular in that first game was Deontay Burnett. Remember, yeah. you remember the catches he made in that game? I mean, the dive, diving Stanford? touchdown catch uh, before halftime against Stanford. Yes. And then also the tip ball he tips to himself and then turns oh, to a thirty-three yard the game. Selfie catch. Selfie catch. Yeah. Selfie catch. So. You know, that's a guy that the Stanford's probably going to key on. If they key on him and they try to take him away, 
can somebody else step up on the outside? Well, the interesting thing is Tyler Vons didn't start, didn't really get his shot against Stanford. So nope. neither did Michael Pittman. So it will be interesting. Pittman will still hurt yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was supposed to say that. It will be interesting to see how they how they do against Stanford. I mean, neither one of those guys had a catch against Stanford. So, obviously Pittman I mean, is that an advantage when when they haven't really gone up against those guys? Again, now this is why I say you look at the last four weeks of a team playing versus looking at the first time you play them. Yep, makes sense. Alrighty, we're talking too much. Uh, as extra bonus, uh, listen to the beginning of this podcast before we started uh, recording. Well, we were recording, but before we started doing our podcast. Why are you, why are you bringing this up? Because it's hilarious how apparently Shockin wears shorts underneath his pants. It makes no sense. So there, there's Do you want me to explain it? Or you explain it. Cut it off explain there? it. Explain it. Because in high school, I didn't go to lunch. I skipped lunch all the time. I just went to the gym to shoot. So underneath my jeans or pants that I wore the day, I just had basketball shorts. So I just quickly take off my pants, shoot for you know the forty-five minutes or whatever the lunch is, and then go back to class. Are you still sh- Are you still shooting now? I am always prepared for a pickup basketball game. Well, I got my I got my sneaks on right now. If anybody just if they see me driving by, like, hey, you want to go play some pickup? I'm in. It's ball life. Ball is life. I guess so. Okay, well, we'll put it at the end of this podcast if I'm feeling charitable. <laughs> he's he's rolling his eyes at me. Alrighty, we thank you for listening. Thank you for your emails and your calls, your voicemails. We appreciate it. And we appreciate you listening. And we'll see you sometime soon. Post Pac-12 championship. Dun dun dun. Peace. Okay. Shorts. Wear shorts underneath everything. Come on. You're wearing shorts underneath your pants. I always wear shorts underneath everything. Like what type of shorts? Basketball shorts? So you're wearing basketball shorts right now? Yes. You do? Why? <laughs> That's so... You wear underwear and shorts? Yeah. That's... Always ready for a basketball game. Oh. And always ready for pickup. I don't understand this. I'm so glad I started I, recording because... when I did. <laughs> I started this in high school because I never went to lunch. I would always just go down to the gym and shoot. You're one of those kids. What? Unless there was chicken nuggets. Yeah. I just can't understand why you'd wear basketball all the time. Like all even time. even when it was hot in like fall camp, were you wearing basketball shorts? Yeah. What is wrong with you? Unless I'm really fat and my pants don't fit me real well, then sometimes I have to take shorts off. <laughs> then I feel uncomfortable though. So now it's like a comfort thing? Kinda. What? You eat oranges like an apple and you wear shorts under your pants. Never said I was normal. <laughs> <laughs>